penises. All right, we're live. Well, with that, <laughs> that's like our uh, the that's the green flag. This American monster, a monster of the week actual play from this American dice. Last time on This American Monster. The players discovered that indeed they were searching for a witch. Alan Graves has seemingly disturbed Lauren Wells following her, while her friends seem to suffer. Accident after suspicious accident after suspicious accident. You guys know that you got a witch on your hands. You know that there's this additional guy, Cody Brinzo. We've got a few people on our list of maybe folks to talk about, talk to. Um, Cody Brinzo, the other group within this uh, friend circle. We could, um, I'll just throw out, go to look around um, where Bella, not Bella White, where Olive uh, got hit by a car. We could go and talk to Professor Rosalind Lester, because at the moment we only lo- used information from a book that she wrote. If I recall, we felt pretty confident about the idea that this final member of their friend group, Cody, would logically be the next victim, right? Team, Team Welker. Yeah. Who Who is the the creeper guy? Was that Cody or is that Grant another Childers? One? Is that who you're thinking of from the previous mystery? <laughs> no, although also creepy. Oh, he got me. Alan, but, um, Alan, Alan Graves who, was... who killed himself. Oh, yeah. The the cultish guy, right? And yes, he had you could kind also... of a fixation with uh, Lauren. Yes, you could also further look into Alan. And this is the guy who killed himself. Yes. Who what was the last name again? Graves. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because he's bad. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Vampire Dracula. (laughs) So it seems to me like there's two things I would like to have done. One is protect Cody. Or Cody, right? Cody Brinzo. Cody Brinzo. Is the the member of this crew who is alive that you have not met. And two, I want like a a going to the library and, and learning about witches scene or something like that. All right. So you, uh, so what do we want to do first? And do we want to split up, or do all three of you want to tackle each of these problems in turn? How do you feel about it, um, colleagues? Well, we should use a VPN at the library. Um, I can. I've got one, and. Uh, that way, if the Illuminati catches on to what we're doing, I'm <laughs> just kidding. We don't really believe in the Illuminati. But really, the lizard people, if they catch on to what we're doing, um, they cannot track what uh, our web browser history or what we're searching. So assuming that, um, which is all of them are in cahoots with the lizard people, why is that a stretch of the imagination? They'd be working together. I wrote about it first in the fifth grade and uh, posted that in a chat room. So, but 
all history of that has since been deleted because uh, it was a uh, privacy protected chat room. Who was I chatting with? I can't say. Okay, it it was my friend Todd, but um, <laughs> I can help out with the VPN. Um, we'll go middle of the day when there's the most web traffic, and um, we can research the shit out of those witches. Darkblade's vote is let's go do some research at the uh, university library. I am a hundred percent on board with Mr. Blade's expertise. Okay, well, two out of three ain't bad. Okay. Although I do think somebody needs to be protecting Chad. So maybe maybe we should but yes. bring him. Did I say Chad? Yes. You know, I don't know how many times I've like told myself that his name is Cody, and I still go to Chad. We're dealing with a lot of standard white guy names. It's fine. <laughs> it's like the prototypical white guy name, I feel. The name's um, Chad. It's Listen like the platonic ideal of the name. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe... Every other name is just a shadow that you see on the cave. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. What good are we to Cody if we don't even know what we're up against? So let's go to the library, you know? Let's All right. It. Okay. Or, you know, if Mr. Green wants to split off, totally up to Mr. Green. What would he like to do? Here, I was going to um, maybe stay with him. All right. So Mr. Welker and Herbert Darkblade69 Mock head to the University of West Central Florida Library. Um, Ashton is going to try to meet up with Cody Brinzo to discuss some of this with him. Is that what you meant? Or you were going to hang out with Lauren? I believe he's going to go run protection on Cody. Okay. Is Lauren with Mr. Welker and Ashton or Darkblade? Uh, if she's down for that, I'm down for that. I think so. Yeah. Mr. Blade, okay. would having her around impede your ability to perform deep, dark web-level research? Well, <laughs> it may be a little bit distracting to have a member of the fair sex with us, but uh, I think there will... I, don't, I have no problem. Uh, Mr. Welker, uh, Herbert Darkblade69 Mock, and Lauren Walls head to the University of West Central Florida Library. The good thing is, since Lauren is definitely an active student, you have access to the library's resources um, and can look a bunch of stuff up. So, you already know that you're looking for information about witches. Is there any other, are there any other, like, pieces of the puzzle that you're, almost imagine if this worked through keywords, witches, what else are we looking for? Uh, murder hornets. Okay, witches... Uh, hornets or wasps or bees. Oh, and um, pacts from beyond the grave. Okay. Also, reincarnation in bugs. Bugs, reincarnation. All right. So, on your very first, the like you got let's a just say Chopra book on reincarnation. Yeah, you get a bunch of Deepak Chopra books, and then uh, after that, you also get info on this professor. Um. Rosalind Lester, who you had already looked at some of her stuff earlier and um, found like some articles that were that maybe Ashton as a student, an active student had been able to pull up. And you find a bunch of information about her, including like through the school, just like directory, you just get straight up a phone, like an office phone number and email for her. 
and all of that, but it doesn't require a role. It's just literally like you plug those keywords into the university system and you find it very, very quickly. All right. So if our research doesn't turn up anything, then we have someone else to talk to. Okay. I was kind of trying to push you guys to go talk to this lady because I think it will be more interesting to be like, oh, you talk to her and get this information rather than like you're looking through books and trying to find this stuff. Unless, right. you, unless somebody has a specific like research kind of move that they want to use. I think I have net friends. You do have net friends. Um, hmm. Does it make sense for you to use that uh, to find this information out if you just already know a person you can contact in the in the meat space? No. Um, no, I, I'm not going to make a roll. Okay. I think it, it just makes the most sense for you guys to go and talk to this lady. And um, so you find this information in kind of a faculty directory or that kind of thing, a campus directory for her office phone number. And if you call um, that number, she does indeed just answer the phone. And she sounds very much like um, Kathy Bates, Joe Bennett style from the office does she have dogs barking in the background um probably probably not but you hear like dr lester hello dr lester um i am a uh visiting scholar my name is mr chase welker and i was hoping i could meet the author of one of my favorite books the title of which is and you're and which you're looking you're yeah, witches and bitches. Yeah, you're looking it and, up and, and uh, sexualism and uh, contemporary postmodern sorcery. Mm -hmm. She probably does have. Um, she has. If you look up stuff that she's written, she's written a bunch of books on. Um, it, she's like she's an anthropologist, and she's written a bunch of books on like folklore, and specifically, like the folklore of Florida. Um, we are. yeah, but she's in, uh, she's done like a lot of stuff and yeah, some of the things that she has done are like specifically occult related and other things are like absolutely like occult studies of the, of colonial, of colonial America from a queer perspective. Like she's done like a lot of like those kind of like very collegey, really specific things where you're like, there was an entire journal about this interesting well, very man, specific I'd love to shake the hand of the author of Dark Florida the Swampy Town Files <laughs> yeah and I think she'll she'll say like I, got, I was not pleased that the publisher went with that title but here you know I've got a I've got a class in a little while but if if y'all want I mean I can if, if you send me an email I could maybe try to help you out but um what's 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 this what's this pertaining to i'm gonna have to go in just a few minutes are we dealing with an author who is not interested in meeting a fan who wants to come and shake their hand that's hmm. one of a kind oh yeah you know what you're already right so i think i think she will be like she'll 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 be like well it's i'm, I'm pleased to meet somebody um 
and she can just tell you she's in her office on, at such and such building like, Oh, and Burton Burton hall, fifth floor, blah, blah, blah. And so you can easily get up there and uh, you meet her. And she's again, very Joe Bennett and how she dresses. She's got kind of um, uh, that short white hair. That's a little bit um, kind of lady with a pompadour almost. And we still have Lauren with us, right? Yes. And All right. and I think she'll when she when she sees y'all y'all come in, she's like, like, well, hey there. Well, none of you are my students, and uh, you don't look like folks looking for. You don't all look like folks looking for uh, grad school references. So you must be the man I talked to on the phone, Mr. I, Weller. Mr. Mr. Welker, it is such a pleasure to meet you. It's always, it's always a delight to meet someone who takes the same level of interest in these topics, which, as we both know, are rarely given the credit they deserve. Uh, uh, my colleague here, Mr. Blade, is uh, is is on the same level with me as far as that goes. And I think and, she has uh, the same. I think she has the same reaction that like the vast majority of people have in this, where they're like, uh, she's like, Mr. Blade. Like, 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 as like a, that's a crazy name. That's all. Yeah. Um, I'll say, you know, particularly, uh, I was wondering if you could shed some light on, um, witches, you know, I'll cut straight to the chase. My friend and I, all three of us, actually have a great deal of interest in the subject of witches. Okay. So I think she'll kind of, um, like list off. I think she'll kind of list off um, some of her books that she could kind of point you to. But um, I think to get her to kind of get into a spiel about this, we're going to have to do this as a uh, manipulate a person role. Why don't we just have Lauren or, you know, with our help, like just explain to her everything that's happened. Do you want that to go on? I mean, I think that in general, I don't see any reason not to tell her what's happened if she's like an occult believer. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that mechanically at least is still the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like saying that the additional leverage that you have here is that you're saying like, Hey, here's some of this folklore stuff that you study in action. Mm -hmm. yeah, like, I feel like that's, that's author catnip. You know, you're writing about this obscure subject that nobody cares about. And suddenly someone wants you to like save a life. I think, yeah, I think I agree with you in that capacity. However, I can also, I can think of two things. One, if this is really something she's super interested, depending on how well you do with this, she might want to get overly involved mm. or like know way more if she's really that interested. Also, I feel professors a lot of times will have people come to them for information about stuff. And they're sometimes like, hey, I'm not getting paid to just talk to whoever kind of every now and again. She's lost her thirst for knowledge. Right. Well, they're, they're more, more the situation of like, Hey, is there a grant attached to this research uh, that I'm now doing? Kind of a thing. Tenure little bitches. Yeah. Real. Yeah. A liberal elite in their ivory towers. All right. So yeah, I'm down and just tell her like, here, here's what's happening. Help. Um, okay. 
Yeah, Lauren, as you kind of start this stuff off, Lauren will initially be nervous to bring some some of the stuff up. But if you kind of like nudge her to fill in any gaps, she'll fill in the gaps and she'll kind of get into the info about, you know, these wasps, some of this occult imagery. She'll even maybe pull some of the stuff up on her phone and try to show it to Dr. Lester of like this, like the imagery, like uh, from Alan's uh, artwork. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so could somebody, either Darkblade or Mr. Welker, go ahead and make that manipulate roll? Darkblade, what's your sharp? Oh wait, no, manipulate? Yeah, because you're trying to get her to tell you this stuff. What is manipulate? What's manipulate goes by charm, I do believe. Are you sure this isn't an investigative mystery? Talking to an expert like this, or...? I'm trying to get uh, I'm trying to not use that role as much it when we have like a direct thing like this, where this person can just become someone who discusses this stuff with you and use the investigative mystery as like a fallback for when we do not know what to do. And we can just roll that kind of generally. And but when we have a person who can directly give us this information, talking to them as a person, I think, is kind of the more dramatic way to do it that's yeah, fine i me. uh will speak up and add well you know what this campus is really lacking is a substantial faculty dedicated to folklore and mysticism um you know we're here um as you know from a company that has deep pockets and is looking for local talent to um, possibly grow faculty in this kind of a uh, um, <clears throat> subject. <clears throat> and you do look around her office, and her office is pretty small. Um, is that a bunch of like weird voodoo and like witchcraft occult stuff in it? I think it's mostly full of books. Um, I think it's like it's mostly full of books, some of which seem to be like uh, fairly old. But yeah, I think she does probably have some of those like artifacts. She's got some like Native American stuff um, from like tribes that had been in this area on on her walls. She's maybe got some um, some things that are like voodoo related. But honestly, the room is mostly occupied by books, so much so to the point where um, the only pieces of furniture in the room are her desk her desk chair and then two other chairs. And they are like the smallest, like almost think uh, high school chairs that can stack on one another because there's so many books in the room that they've begun to encroach upon the space. So yeah, she's definitely in this kind of like fairly uh, small area. And just for further fun, there are no windows in her office either. Oh, classic witch trait. So, but yeah, let's have one of you guys roll that charm roll. I think uh, Mr. Blade should do it. Not because he has a better charm roll, but because I did it. Other reason. Go roll for it. Nine. Roll the nine. Yeah. Okay. And uh, if Mr. Welker wants to pop that bad boy up to a 10. Helping is my, my forte. Awesome. Um, 
Yeah, let's see how this goes. My fort, as some people say. Mm -hmm. Well, I got 12. Hey, pretty good. So that pops uh, Dark Blades roll up to a 10. So yeah, she hears all this stuff. She hears about how you want to get involved in this. And she'll say, all right, go, move, move out of the way here. Come on. And she'll kind of like go and find some books in her like this crazy collection of books in her office and she'll start to kind of pile them onto the desk. And this takes several minutes as she's like pulling these different books up and um, she'll start to kind of open them up and tell you about uh, a few things. One is that definitely she kind of further confirms the thing that you already knew where she says like, Oh, uh, especially in a lot of European folklore, you know, uh, wasps were kind of seen as these protectors or these minions of witches. That's not a thing that's native to this, like native to the Americas. Like that's not, that's certainly a post colonial thing. Uh, meaning like it's like European influenced and she'll bring up this idea about death. And if you guys had mentioned the thing about Alan Graves, and talked about the specifics of his suicide. Mm -hmm. She'll bring up some, she, she, that definitely pings as something for her and she'll bring up some images and they're like old wood carvings from maybe like the 1500s, 1600s in Europe. And she'll talk about, um, witches performing this, like legends of witches performing these revenge rituals. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, during the during the height, particularly of the Inquisition and kind of the hunt for witches and witchcraft, there were there were people who were believed to be witches who performed these rituals. All right, or so we are told, and these witches would hang themselves. Um, over some kind of fire so that they'd catch on fire and they would do this in front of a black mirror. And um, this would, the, the story was that this would allow them to essentially become disembodied spirits, thus robbing their persecutors of the ability to hunt them down and allow them to torment those who would otherwise be their persecutors. So they essentially turn themselves into ghosts, like vengeful ghosts that can influence the real world. Yes, that was the that's the that's the legend. And are they restricted in so far as who they can interact with? The legends all talk about them going after their persecutors, sometimes maybe their persecutors' families. There were stories about a um a magistrate in such and such town in England who uh, a witch that someone he suspected was a witch had done this. And then afterwards uh, he and his family being harassed mm -hmm. by voices, by visions um, that terrible things befell his wife and children. And that he himself eventually uh, like jumped into a lake, that kind of stuff. And she'll find you the, she'll find you the story. All of this is like her. She takes a little while in between each one of these nuggets of information because, like, as a good academic, she has this info in her head, but she wants to go to a thing to tell you, like, see, here's also this. And um, there's several woodcuts or, um, yeah, woodcut prints 
of witches kind of like looking into looking into mirrors. Um, but the mirrors are always presented as these like flat black surfaces. So, and this this will probably sound very ignorant, but when we're talking about witches, that's not unique to women, right? Like men can do this too, or no? And um, Doctor Lester will say like. Yeah, yes, most most of the imagery that we have. And then I think that she gets into professor mode for a minute where um, I think she'll even maybe like take a slight amount of umbrage at it. Like, yes, the term is very engendered and she'll kind of get into like, like, oh, in our common idea of a witch, we think about women. But when these folks were looking for witchcraft, they were actually looking for sorcery in particular in England under Puritan rule. Um, but in other, uh, at other times as well, witchcraft was viewed as someone who'd essentially communed with the devil or communed with some kind of darkness, not necessarily someone who had these uh, abilities to cast spells. So our perception of witches, the way they're using it is really anyone who could use these kind of magic or dark arts or powers beyond what normal people would have. But the term is also used very much so with a negative connotation. So these aren't people who use these powers for good. Um, there was always something nefarious about what they were doing. So where does the potential control over the bugs come in? Like there's a, there's a spirit that's been made through this ritual have control over other things. Um, she'll say, um, she'll, she'll point out a few other things, a few other images. She'll, she'll say like in some cultures, it's believed that, um, the witches themselves, basically that like their ability to connect with the natural world and these things that are like beyond the control of man, um, is expressed through these, especially flying insects, bees, wasps. Hornets, things that can go out and oftentimes act in unison, mm -hmm. but seemingly are not one solid item. So it's kind of meets at the intersection of human control over the natural world, particularly in a pre-industrial era where people were so reliant on that. Um, but also, if you look particularly how... Um, hornets and wasps nests work they can almost be viewed as a tumor these things that grow in a way that we and at sometimes at speeds that we're not necessarily ready to deal with and uh wasp nests beehives can sometimes grow in not grow but be built in um logs sometimes even in corpses and so there are and she'll show you some images um, of witches where uh, you see that they have like a hunchback and there's almost like wasps coming out of it. And she's like, in Asian cultures, this is like a common image of wasps or hornets coming out of these, uh, like growing into this person as a symbol of the hatred that they have. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of symbology uh, that connects back to like man's fear of the natural world and what they can't understand, as well as um, the idea of someone being able to express their 
hatred and then she'll get back into things particularly among women who were seen as not having agency in the partic in uh in the period of time so last question then how would you stop someone who's performed this ritual she says well given that the mirror is key to this um there were some historical accounts though a lot of them are very uh a lot of them are very spotty. The actual, what she's basically saying is like, what I'm talking about is folklore. I can give you this stuff. I can't guarantee you this is how you this is how you bust these ghosts. Sure. But she'll tell you about like um, uh, inquisitors writing about how the mirror that was used in the ritual having to be destroyed. And according to them, that that did the trick. Just bust up the mirror, power connection gone. So the mirror seems to be a almost an idea of like a like a gateway or some kind of uh, you sever that you sever the connection basically basically that's that was that was the idea that a mirror gives us a look back at our regular world that this black mirror through this ritual allows them to pass into another world but still with the existence of the mirror have a connection to our own so according to what we know is there any evidence that this guy what's his name Alex Alan Graves Alan that he died under a fire or in front of a mirror? You know, absolutely. He hung himself and he ended up, uh, his robe, it was like a bathrobe that seemed like it was wet, perhaps. And he did it over lit candles and then he burst into flames as he was hanging. But no no account of the mirror. There's nothing about a mirror. Cool. Dr. Lester is like, she looks down at her watch and she's like, I'm 25 minutes late for my class. Oh no! Yeah. So oh no! About your field of specialty. Yeah. Run! Right. So, but yeah. Anyway, and you also have this person as like a a contact for future investigations. Yeah, for sure. I'm give you some of this stuff. That's super useful. All right. Meanwhile, Ashton Green is going to find Cody Brindo. One of the uh, one of the surviving members of the social group that are friends with Lauren Walls. So, um, again, I said like you, you could just find this, but also Lauren could have just told you where this guy lives, or even just given you his phone number. So, would this be a person you'd call ooh, that you'd call initially first, or try to contact via text or something like that, or would you just go to find him in person? Like, what do you think would be the better way to do that? I feel it'd be more interesting if I just knocked on his door, right? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. All right. So, um, he lives... I'm going to say he just straight up lives on campus. And um, does he live on campus? Hmm? No, he doesn't. He lives in... He lives in a blimp. He lives in a blimp. He's a blimpster. Uh, you ever hear of Blimpy? The sandwich company? He's the air. Um, get it? In the air. Up in the air. Up in the air. So, he lives, I think, in like a nearby... He lives at a house nearby. It's in kind of like a... Sh almost like... Um, like where we lived in Walden Woods. Where mm -hmm. uh, it's it's nearby and it's in these like houses that are often that are 
duplexes or that kind of thing, or maybe like small apartments. I think that's the deal is it's a very small apartment building that has only four units, like, like two upstairs, two downstairs. And they are little like one bedroom, one bathroom apartments. And he lives there on the second story. And um, when you go to, you go and you knock on the door, you hear like through the door, like, who is it? Oh, um, hey, it's just, I'm, oh, it's me. I'm actually, I'm with a company. I'm, I have, who is it? I want to talk to you. I just me, just want to, can I talk to you for a minute? Go away. I'm busy doing something. Get out of here. He kind of looks down. He's like, oh, I didn't think about this. Um, but hold on. A new move that, that I could I could try to use here. Okay. Is that your what's that what you're angling for? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just just showing so, the awkward, the awkwardness of the situation. Yeah, so I I got this uh move last time trust me when you tell a normal person the truth in order to protect them from danger roll plus charm that sound like a we're going toward that in order to trigger this i have to tell them the truth so i think um yeah ashen does say like oh i didn't think about this he's like uh whew, all right um let's see what was his name brinson his name is brinzo. cody uh uh <laughs> hey mr mr brinzo um listen i'm i'm working for some for some folks we're trying to help you out you might be in some danger i think i could you know uh like help out a little bit if you let me in and we can talk a bit so i think that this guy just keeps going like like i'm 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 busy i'm doing something and you have to get into the shit the shit like yelling it through the door but you you tell him what's going on here. Yeah, I think I, I like I was saying the truth that I'm telling him is that I'm working for these this organization and we're trying to help you. If only so you let me in, we can chat you, about it. Do you get into the specifics of the current mystery? Uh, if that's what it takes to trigger it, sure. Yeah, I think I think just saying like you know I'm I work for this company doesn't necessarily do that, but like telling them the. Like, hey, here's why I need to protect. Here's how this will protect you. That definitely yeah, works. I think you and your friends are being targeted. And you're the only one who hasn't been, I don't know, uh, attacked yet or affected. Okay. So, yeah. So, go ahead and make a charm roll. All right. Ashen's pretty good at this. He's so charming. His little dimples. So a nine. Got a nine. Okay. So on a nine, on a seven to nine, things aren't, whoop, that's the wrong one. On a seven to nine, they do it, but the keeper chooses one from them. They ask you a hard question first. They stall and dither a while. They have a better idea. Okay. So I think this guy opens the door and he kind of like looks at you. He has like a chain lock on the thing. And he's like, what's your name? 
I'm oh, gonna give uh, this guy. I'm gonna give this guy a voice. He says, "What's your name?" Oh, sure. I'm I'm uh, Ashen Green, Junior Regional Project Manager. All right. Here, and he unlocks the thing, and he's like, "Come in." All right. Yeah. Thanks. He's wearing the suit. You know, he just. Mm-hmm. And he'll. Uh, this guy looks like kind of like a Giovanni Ravisi kind of character, where he's like fairly pale guy. Looks a little like sickly. Has like a super short cropped haircut. Um, he's wearing kind of a t-shirt that has a, uh, a probably like a band on it, but uh, like like a band you haven't heard of, kind of a thing. And uh, inside there, the place is very dirty. Inside, uh, definitely tell like a college kid lives here. And some of it actually reminds you of stuff like maybe like Dark Blade might be connected to, where there's posters of um, maybe some not posters. Maybe there's some like video game and gamer kind of stuff hanging around. And this okay. guy has like a in the living room a m- big computer setup with like multiple screens. And uh, and he comes in and he sits down at like one of those big kind of uh, a big office chair, but you could tell it's it's meant for somebody who hangs out in this chair a lot. Yeah. And he sits down and says, um, "So you're trying to warn me about something that's going on? I mean, I heard about already Tyler and." And Olive and Bella. I warned Lauren about that guy just like Bella did. That whole situation. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, we've actually been really concerned about that. You, So uh, you're, you're Mr. Brinzo, right? Yep. That's me. Okay. Yeah. And you can call me Cody, of... though, because I'm not an old man. Oh, okay. Sure. Uh, thanks, uh, Cody. But yeah, we've been been trying to get to the bottom of this, and you know, we th- we think something might be really uh really bad going on, you know. And I I think he's very condescending about like like oh, there's something bad that's going on uh, when two of my friends just died and another one's in a coma. Yeah. Yeah, what, com- we're, what we're... company do you work for and how much do they pay you for this? Because I think I can be the fucking president of it. Yeah, we're really working to uh, try to make sure nothing else bad happens. And I mean, this, I think he just tries to change the subject, right? He's like, uh, oh, this is a really cool setup. Do you play um, the uh, uh, Digim- Digimon? Dude, what do you want? I know that I know that this is dangerous. Oh yeah, I mean, it's just really cool setup you have here. But yeah, I mean, if you want, uh, yeah, we're we're really trying. To, I think he's trying to uh, get him to like stall so he can just stay as long as possible to protect mm-hmm. this guy in his mind. But yeah, I think he just goes, kind of just drones on about random mm-hmm. stuff and tries to change the subject constantly. Okay, so I think one of the things with this I don't know how is, long that will entertain him for. <laughs> so, 
I think if you want, so your goal is just to stick around here. Yeah, I think that was that was the uh, his mission, right? Is to protect Cody from anything that would happen. Sure. Um, I think that this guy. Oh, did, wait, did I did I misinterpret that? Maybe, no, maybe I think I think I think you've you've got it. I just think there's something else that we could do with it that'll maybe be more. I'm just trying to figure out what your what your game plan here is, and I'm just going to tell you some stuff. A, this dude is just kind of a dick. Like that's just part of it. Mm-hmm. Like part of his personality is he's kind of an asshole. So he's not kicking you out, and he's not telling you to leave, but he's just kind of being an ass. Um where a lot of your kind of attempts to be polite as this character are very much rebuffed as like uh, the thing you're basically like, like, Oh, like, Oh man, it sure is warm. Kind of like if, like if you were to say something like small talk of like, of course it's warm idiot. I have the, I can get the weather on my computer. Like that kind of thing. Like those attempts to interact. Yeah. Maybe Ashton will try and go um, like, oh, how do you, how do you, how did you meet Lauren or try to get maybe dig into the kind of the friend dynamic a little more Mm -hmm. perhaps. If he's, I don't know, sounds like he's maybe not willing to talk about anything. So that's, that's no, not quite. I think he'll, he'll be, he'll be very like scant on those details. Um, but I'll kind of swing this into gear with uh, relevant information here uh, where he'll say like, like, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been friends for a while and uh, I've known her, known her pretty well. So I don't like, don't like weirdos bugging her or the other friends of mine, though they're getting increasingly smaller in number. That's why I didn't like that Alan guy. And he pulls up Alan's um, stuff on, social media mm-hmm. social media.com yeah social media dot um bookface dot uk um but mm-hmm. yeah so he um he pulls that yeah, i heard he and... didn't have a lot of uh digital friends it was at least he i guess he had some some physical ones at least lauren he's like, he's like looks like you heard wrong again champ He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He says Lauren, Lauren reached out to this. Lauren reached out to this weirdo, and as you can see, not a lot of people have been. And he brings up his, and it's like friends. One Lauren Walls on Alan Graves' uh, like profile. He'll say, um, like this guy was a this guy was a weirdo, and nothing good nothing good came out of him. This is the thing that's getting to me. And he'll um he'll pull he'll pull this stuff up and he'll kind of hop on the computer and he'll basically say he'll tell you something and he starts to talk in a way that like Darkblade kind of talks sometimes where he uses a lot more maybe <laughs> technical information. Um, yeah. but where I think Darkblade like throws in like crazy conspiracy theory, this guy is basically just telling you talking over your head as like a and it becomes immediately clear this guy is like a computer programmer and he says he shows you that he can pull up 
um, the social media site and he can pull up this guy, Alan Graves page. But when he goes to look at the um, information, like when he goes to look at the behind the scenes information, I don't know what this term is called because I'm not a computer expert, but when he goes to look at basically the code, the yeah, code. when he goes to look at the source code to say like, this is how this is working. Not that he can necessarily change it. Yeah. Not that he can necessarily change it, but when he's like, okay, this is how all of this is coded to be the thing that we see. When he pulls it up, he's like, do you see, do you see this? Um, that, I think that's a, they call it an asterisk. And he just, again, shakes his head. He's like, these aren't symbols that should be here at all. And I think Ashton runs into kind of the hiccup of maybe not being fully fluent in what he's talking about, but there doesn't seem to be anything peculiar in the stuff that is on this page. Yeah, I think he's kind of, you know, bent at the waist, kind of looking down at this screen and just like, um, yeah, uh, hey, you might have to um, to kind of walk me through this, Cody. What what do you think is, is wrong here? And this takes a little while, especially because you two are not exactly uh, hitting it off socially, I think. But it after a while, one of the things you realize is he's pointing out stuff on this screen that you don't see. And it's not because he understands this code. It's he's seeing something else that you're not seeing. Hmm. That's the thing here. Is it's like he's looking. Uh, so just imagine I'm looking at a page of regular English text. And another person is looking at this page and being and seeing hieroglyphics. Mm -hmm. And he's yeah, telling you think... this should be English text. It's not English text. That doesn't make sense. That's not good. But again, you're oh, only yeah. seeing the English text. I think we have that very TV moment where Ashen kind of looks and it's like, but that is English. And uh, yeah, he narrows his eyes on the stuff uh, again. And maybe we see it from his perspective and the perspective that we see it from his is it's all kinds of weird symbols. Um, but again, Ashton's just looking at it and it's just numbers and letters. Cody, can you, um, can you write, can you like draw those, those out for me? And I think he'll kind of get out a piece of paper and start doing a few of those. And we'll see him on camera, like kind of drawing a few of these. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think he'll say like it. Like he'll start to kind of get a headache and it'll start to bother his, his eyes. And he's like, it's like, I got to take a break from this for a second. Give me a second here. Hold on. I got to have a cigarette. Okay, sure. And I think so. Ashton just kind of grabs that paper, puts it in his pocket and follows him out wherever he's yeah, he just grabbing goes a cigarette the, from. Onto the stairs and has a cigarette. Uh, Mr. Welker and Darkblade. What, and Ashton, actually everybody. What's the next step now that we've made contact with Cody Brinzo, who's a very delightful character? A real, real sweetie pie. Um, well, time to kill a ghost. You know what, Mr. Blade? I think you're right. Um, I'm trying to think, how can we find any connection to a mirror? 
yeah. that was on the scene of this thing. I what, what if I, we break I the mirror? dread to think that the answer is what would you say? What if we break the mirror? Well, for sure, I think some mirror breaking is in our future. But um, as far as finding the mirror, I I'm concerned that the answer to this is talk to Detective Winters. You know, um, well, that that is an option. You also did see that video of Alan Graves killing himself, and could maybe try to get further clues about that place. Although nondescript enough where that's going to be pretty tough or just information about Alan that could help you to find that place. The place where he killed himself. What, what did the video sort of show? It wasn't like a room, was it? So it was a it was a room. It was inside. Um, it seemed to have a concrete wall that seemed to be very, very dirty. The floor either seemed to be a dirt floor or seemed to be covered in dirt. Ask Lauren. Lauren, you, I know you're not, um, you didn't consider him a good friend, but he considered you a good friend and you seem to have known him better than most people. Do you have any idea where this might have been? I have no idea. Just like I tried not to watch that video too close, but I, in, I've seen it in passing and I don't know. It looks, it looks dirty, it looks run down, but I don't know. I only ever I only ever talked to Alan at school and occasionally through like through very few uh, interactions uh, through social media. I don't know. Um, can we like look so this video has been posted on her like her her book head page, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, can we like sort of like, go through the comments and see if anybody in the comments is like sort of added themselves as knowledgeable about where this happened? I'll I'll say no. You you can do that, but you don't find that information. Well, I suppose we can meet back up with Mr. Green um, just so we can consolidate our forces again. Sure, you guys can um, meet up just at Cody Brinzo's apartment. Lauren knows where he lives. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, why not? Let's get let's get the crew back together. Sure. So fast forward a moment or two, and uh, Chase Welker, Darkblade sixty nine, Ashton Green, Lauren Walls, and Cody Brinzo are all in Cody Brinzo's fairly small apartment. And you guys are kind of hanging out in there, and uh, you can maybe get each other up to speed on this, on everything that you found. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll share all information with Mister Green. Um, I don't want to freak out Cody necessarily. Well, then again, I guess we already told Lauren. She knows everything we know. So what's what's the harm? I feel like. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just ask Cody if he knows anything about Alan Graves that we didn't already have. Cody can just say, like, I didn't know the guy, but the school probably has records on him or something like that. Records as in, like, um, Maybe like health files, that kind of thing. Sure, health files, just where you're from, where you went to high school, the kind of stuff that would be on your transcripts, who your emergency contacts are, that kind of thing. It's not a bad idea. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in finding that kind of thing out. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure how to go about that, though. We could uh, have... Mr. Blade, any ideas? I was going to say, we could try to have Darkblade uh, hack into the mainframe and figure this stuff out. Or we could maybe persuade Cody to do it. He is a hacker. Um, yeah, Dark I'd be Blade's down like... Look at the post-it notes around the the desk just to see if there's any post-it notes that have the letters PW um, on them. Okay. Um, you don't notice that, but you do notice some post-it notes that have some weird symbols on them. And Ashton, after Cody had drawn out those symbols for you, you notice that some of those post-it notes have those symbols on them as well. So like, this isn't the, that, um, but it's only ever like one or two. And so his like writing that stuff down for you was not the first time. This isn't the first moment he noticed this stuff. He seems to have noticed it and at least attempted to jot some of these things down in the past. Some of them are like crumpled up and kind of tossed away, but, um, but yeah, so we could either have dark blade try to essentially find this information out from the university or we could try to do something to persuade Cody to try to do it. And I'm trying to think, does that just, is that just a continuation of, um, no, I think this would be a, this would be a separate role if you wanted Cody to do it, just because this is like him taking additional risk of like breaking into this computer system. Ooh, what if like, can I like manipulate this so it becomes like, um, I'll say to uh, to Darkblade, like, oh, well, it looks like we have a, a pretty experienced, maybe even master hacker here who uh, who can find any kind of information we need from the, the incredibly well-protected mainframe that is the, like the campus's secure network. Um, Mr. Cody, I'm sure that, like, you know, this would be a real breeze for you to get into to find this kind of information. Now, I know it's difficult, but it's one of your skill. It should be a total cakewalk. Uh, I'm sure Mr. Blade, um, I don't want to tax you unnecessarily. Does Dark Blade take the bait to that one, or is it, uh, or are we waiting for Cody to... Yeah, he's, uh, crack he's cracking his knuckles. Um, he's dusting off his chin and um which does actually have dust in it because you were eating some powdered donuts earlier yes but they were cheddar powdered donuts nice has doritos dust in there mm -hmm. it's like, hold on i gotta get this they were smart stream donuts you know like the popcorn it's like healthy popcorn but smart food. gotcha yeah white cheddar baby uh this shouldn't be much of a problem. Okay, so here's here's say, my. Oh, if Mr. Blades got this, then I guess Cody, we don't need you for this at all. Like, never mind. I thought that we would need someone as skilled as you, but obviously, Mr. Blade can do it. So okay, so so is is the goal to just have Dark Blade do this, or is the goal to push Cody into doing this and being like, "No, I can do I this." Want, I'd like to have both of them do it for all I know. Like, either one doesn't matter to me. Okay, well. So if 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 we're trying to get 
Yeah, if we're trying to get Cody to do it, it's definitely going to be somebody making a charm roll to essentially pressure him into doing this. If Darkblade's going to do it, he can just sit down and essentially do it, and then we'll have to have him roll I'll, something else. I'd be happy to have Darkblade do it, but I would still like to do like a sense of rivalry between Cody and him. Be like, oh, next time, Cody wants to do it. Darkblade sits down at the computer. Um starts starts hacking really hard <laughs> he okay. pulls out a second keyboard and mm-hmm. plugs it into the computer and he's hacking on yeah. two keyboards and one of us has to go and like hold the surge protector against the wall outlet because it's like it's going so hard mm-hmm. that like it's gonna pop out if one of us isn't like physically on this thing that's how it works yeah yeah he has Darkblade has a vest on with all these floppy disks that he keeps taking out at hot at high speeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and his vest is going like quite hot from the friction with which he's pulling them out. Yeah, so, like, I need like Mr. Green on there with like a fire extinguisher ready to go. Ashton and Lauren are just going like, "Whoa, I got to brute force this one." Whoa, Put them in a power glove. Yeah. Okay, so. Is this a net friends role where you're trying to get other people you have contacts with on the internet to do this? Or is this a uh, possibly like a read a bad situation role? Are there any um, of those roles that make sense to have this be? Yeah, he's in a ch- he's in a hacker chat room. Okay, thinking. so you're trying to like connect to other people to get them to do this? Well, yeah, I mean, when you're hacking a network, it's always good to um pull from real hackers real hackers don't hack alone right okay so yeah that sounds like then it's a it is a net friends move if that's the way you're doing that so that's a plus charm i got a 10 awesome okay good all right so um you're on there for a while you're on these different forums and chat rooms and pretty soon a buddy of yours is able to pull this stuff up and it's information about alan graves it talks about alan graves it says alan graves was born something like uh 20 or 22 years ago at the um palmetto city general hospital um his parents uh, his parents were these people that lived at uh, Magnolia Place Mansion um, that it burned down. They were killed in that fire. He was raised at the Thaddeus Camacho Foster uh, Foster Home Center or Group Home. So that's the info that you get. So you get essentially that he's essentially like 20 years old that he um, was born at that general, that the Palmetto City General Hospital, that his parents uh, died in a fire, that they had lived at the Magnolia Magnolia Place Mansion, um, and that he grew up, uh, and they and when that mansion burned down, uh, essentially was like 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 around the same time he was born. And then, like, essentially all his, uh, all his formative years were spent at this foster group home. So, died in a fire. Was it arson? Um, 
hmm, I think you guys, because of that role, you can easily pull up some like newspaper reports that um, bring up that other people were there as well. Like uh, that some kind of uh, club meeting or party or something was going on when uh, this, when this fire uh, occurred. And it says, and it basically says like, everyone present died in the fire. And then uh, I think it's I I think there's like a story that's like, um, uh, Ted Ted and Deborah Graves were are their names are not important are survived by their son, uh, survived by their son Alan. This American Monster is a production of This American Dice. This American Monster uses the Monster of the Week system, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your Game Master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. Hey there. A little bit of GM advice that I wanted to give you based on how this episode went. You may have noticed that there was kind of a longer scene with Ashton and Cody Brinzo and what that came down to again something that we'd run into before and something I think we may run into again was me not being sure if Ashton if David was playing Ashton as unable to read the social situation and so rather than just kind of give him a heads up on what's going on I let the scene play out because I wasn't sure if it was a character choice or not I think generally letting the players play their characters um, is probably the better way to go. But if you have any doubt in your mind, just ask the player. Ask the player, you know, like, oh, are you playing this character as obtuse? Or is there something you're not getting or I'm not explaining properly? Is there some miscommunication between the two of us? Or are you playing this character this way? The same can happen when uh, characters get, like, aggressive with one another. If you think a person is having kind of a weirdly aggressive response to something, you can ask, like, oh, are you bothered or is the character just pissed off here? What's what's going on with that? Because if the character's pissed off, um, then we can roll with it one way. If you're, as a player at the table, pissed off about something, then that has to be dealt with in a very, very different way. Um it's really cheesy and kind of cliche to say like, oh, you know, it's all a conversation that we have at the table and we have to be kind of open and honest with one another as we uh, as we create this project together. Um, but it's true, uh, as cheesy as it is. So, again, if you think that there's, there's some kind of miscommunication or if you're wondering, is this a character choice or is the player not getting something, ask. Because in that scene... If Ashton is just being socially obtuse, um, 
that scene could have played out a slightly different way if the issue was David just didn't know where to go with it. I could perhaps have given him some more information or even just fast forward some of it. And we didn't have to have he and Cody Brinzo hanging out alone together. I could have said like, all right, everybody else meets up with you guys. And we kind of kick that into gear. But um, these are the kind of things that you learn from. <laughs>